Okay, hey, 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 and welcome back to Happy Little Accidents. I'm your host, Kyra, and this week we're going to be talking about the impact of the uh, Russian-Ukrainian conflict on the art world and the art market. So, Russia invaded um, the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine in 2014, right? So this actually marked the start of the Russo-Ukrainian conflict. This specific tension passed through several stages, but accumulated with Russia's official invasion of Ukraine, which began on February 24th. So in uh, his public declaration of the invasion, Russian President Vladimir Putin stated that his country is intervening in self-defense. Well, you take that in for a second. So over the last two weeks, major cultural players around the world, including some of um, some in Russia, have canceled shows and put on pressure on the country's art institutions in response to the invasion of Ukraine. So over 500,000 refugees have fled Ukraine so far as the Kremlin continues its assault on the country's most populous cities. This includes the capital Kiev. Uh, so with that said, um, while much of the attention has been focused on like sanctions aimed at crippling Russia's economy, the country's cultural influence is also being reduced. So Russia will no longer be represented at major international events such as the Venice Biennial or the Eurovision Song Contest. And Ukraine's cultural minister, um, Alexander Tchenko, I might be saying his last name wrong, forgive me for that, but he's joined a group of Ukrainian artists, uh, gallery owners, actors, musicians, and film directors in calling for tougher, more comprehensive cultural sanctions. So they signed a petition urging international institutions to sever cultural ties with the Russian Federation and relationships with uh, Russian nationals on advisory boards and prohibit Russian participation in major art events such as Art Basel and the Keynes Film Festival. So on the contrary, pro-Putin artists have been fired from prominent global positions, while opponents of the war have canceled their own shows or even just quit their jobs, defying a national ban on protests. So there are numerous examples of how Russia's attack on the Ukraine is having serious close ties and problems in terms of the government. But um, every day, international pressure continues to mount. So Ukraine's cultural minister has called for sanctions to, quote unquote, limit Russia's presence in the international cultural arena and has urged a boycott of all fairs and exhibitions featuring Russian artists. Now, I want you to think about why this would be important in any capacity. And as someone who understands and writes about the impact of art on a, our social, economic, and cultural understanding of our world, limiting Russia's influence in a cultural aspect will be more detrimental in the long run, while it might not seem very uh, influential at this point in time. So while um, artists, like Russian artists, like Alexandra Sukareva and... Uh, Kirill Sankchenokov, I'm not good at these names, but they actually resigned from participating in the Venice Biennial. So if you want to know their names specifically, I will link that in their names in this podcast bio. Anyway, so um, the Russian Federation actually effectively canceled its representation at one of the world's largest and most prestigious art gatherings, right? The Venice Biennial. I mean, it's so important. So since 1914, the Russian pavilion designed by architect Alexei uh, 
another name that I'm not good at doing this, but has been a permanent fixture in the Venice uh, Gardini, opening its doors every two years to showcase the world, some of the uh, country's most important contemporary artists and their works. Uh, they went on to say that there's no place for art when civilians are dying under missile fire, right? So when Ukrainian citizens are hiding in shelters and Russian protesters are being silenced, there makes no sense to put on these shows. Meanwhile, the pavilion's organizers have shown no interest in announcing replacements. So raising the possibility that Russia will not have a pavilion at the Venice Biennial this April. Now, Garage, Russia's leading contemporary art museum, has announced that it will suspend all exhibitions until human and political tragedy unfolding in Ukraine is over. So right now, uh, cultural institutions are increasingly under pressure to cut ties with Russian oligarchs. According to The Guardian, um, British uh, parliamentarian uh, Chris Bryan has called on Tate to revoke a Russian billionaire and Putin associate Victor Vesselberg's honorary membership status. However, a Tate spokesperson told CNN that he donated seven years ago and that there is quote unquote, no ongoing connection, adding that there is quote unquote, no UK sanctions on any um, of the Tate supporters. So in addition to that, uh, we're seeing that like even the Royal Academy of Arts announced that uh, the CEO of Alpha Bank in Russia has stepped down as the trustee of the Royal Academy Trust. In a statement to CNN also, the Art Institute said that it has returned um, the donations to the Francis Bacon Man and the Beast exhibition, which is currently on display through mid-April. And then if we look at uh, trustee for the Guggenheim Museum has actually resigned as a benefactor in New York, according to the museum. So the oligarch has long been a supporter of um, the museum and having contributed to the funding of its current exhibition about Russian abstract pioneer uh, Kandansky, which is on display until the end of the year. If we also look at the Nord Department uh, government in France, which oversees the Matisse Museum in northern France, has announced the cancellation of a planned loan of 280 Matisse works to the Center for Contemporary Art in Beijing. So the Matisse by Matisse exhibition was actually set to open on March 26th and was supposed to be the largest showing of Matisse's work in China to date. So right now, the Nord government uh, has halted all collaborations with Chinese art institutions in response to China's ties with Russia. On March 2nd, China was actually one of the 35 countries that chose to abstain from voting to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine at the UN General Assembly. In response to Ukraine's president's um, request for financial assistance, the blockchain community has actually really quickly banded together. I talk about this on my TikTok in terms of where you can donate and how you can support um, you know, Ukrainians through art, but they've pretty much band together to raise funds for the invaded country. We see artists who sympathize with the plight of the Ukrainian people and they're being, they're pretty much creating like Instagram posts and they're requesting NFT donations and taking uh, imagery from, you might see it if you were on Artnet or if you read, um, you know, any art news that a Russian artist actually lit her passport on fire and was selling it as an NFT, the image of that. Anyway, so the head of the NFT design firm in Tokyo, sorry, in Toronto, and, and I think a number of established NFT artists have been in collaboration with the NFT Ukraine uh, collection. Um, so this is pretty much where people are, you know, kind of streamlining these donations to. 
All sale proceeds will be donated to the official Ukrainian government sanctioned ETH account, which has already received more than 20 million in cryptocurrency for medical supplies, arms, and obviously other items. And then if you don't know uh, Pussy Riot, they are a Russian punk band activist known for being persecuted by the Russian government for their criticism. They also launched a NFT sale to benefit the Ukrainian charity organization Come Back Alive. They've collaborated with a few like cryptocurrency groups to create an NFT of the Ukrainian flag, which will be sold all weekend through the Ukraine DAO platform. And then if we think of Pavlov uh, Makov, the conceptual artist who was supposed to represent Ukraine at the Venice Biennial Pavilion this spring, recently said that he and other artists have been involved in supporting Ukrainian defense efforts in recent years. For example, um, you could see a soldier in a Donbass region and a friend of the artist use money from the sale of the artwork to purchase weapons. He also expresses uh, displeasure that European artists continue to collaborate with Russia after, you know, everything that's going on and the continuous aggression towards Ukrainians. Okay, so with all that said, uh, Ukrainian museums are actually taking efforts, obviously, to safeguard their collections. Thousands of museums exist in the Ukraine, uh, ranging from modest uh, to private institutions to big state-owned collections, right? in the capital in Odessa, a Black Sea port city. So pretty much according to the New York Times, these state collections contain important Ukrainian and Russian artworks, as well as classical and Byzantine antiques and paintings by Giovanni Bellini, uh, Francisco Goya, uh, Peter Paul Rubens, right? So because of their oppression, um, I mean, their opposition to Russia's invasion, a number of high-profile leaders have either departed or been driven out of their jobs in Russian art and cultural organizations. <clears throat> if we look at the former deputy director of Moscow's uh, Pushkin Museum resigned and made an Instagram statement that actually stated, uh, quote, my attitude towards current world events does not agree with that of my colleagues from the Russian Federation's Ministry of Culture. I'm hoping this will change soon, but for the time being, I'm obligated to leave my favorite museum. So, end quote. And then we also, if we look at the former artistic director of the VAC Foundation in Moscow, Francesco Manacorda, uh, has also quit. Uh, please take into account that these name pronunciations are not that great for me, but trying. Anyway, uh, so he has also quit citing current world circumstances as the bias for a decision. <clears throat> if we look at the Kaz Moscow Art Fair director, um, Simon Reeves, and a former artistic director, um, several connections with that organization, also in the same position. Russia's position in the art world has not been completely affected by the war, though. So we can take into account that everything I'm saying is a big deal, but in the overall kind of overarching understanding of the art world, not the whole art world has turned against. So um, while they're faced with boycotts, um, calls for boycotts, Phillips, right, which if you know Phillips, it's a well-known auction house. It's also a Russian-owned auction house. Declared that all buyers and seller premium for its March 3rd modern contemporary art sale would be donated to the Ukraine uh, Red Cross Society. So the evening sales actually totaled $40 million. 
And many Russian artists, including those living abroad who are critics of Putin's rule, are taking action to protest his regime. So if we look at Mark Kellner, a Russian-American artist actually living in Washington, he tethered a yellow and blue balloon to a statue of Alexander Pushkin in Washington, calling him, quote, the poet whose work is most anchored in the idea of Russian nationality, end quote. So artists, curators, and cultural stewards who are covering statues in Ukraine or mounting protests overseas are doing the hard work in the continuous, like, pretty much collapse of everything going on, right? Artists have a long history, and if you don't know this, you should, of challenging major political and social concerns in order to expose hypocrisy and contribute to like the creation of a more peaceful future. The art world will continue to shape and influence the anti-Putin protest movement while the art world may finally begin to shed some of Putin's power. Now, what I'm more interested in is how will this impact of government sanctions really relate onto the art world. Uh, if you talk to anyone who is you know, Russian, who is not for this war, anyone who is Ukrainian, who has family in Russia, there's a lot of you know anger towards the government and not towards the people. So my curiosity is more of how will these artists and these cultural figures in these both these countries really kind of create the new narrative of what is going on and how it relates to Putin. Now, I think like one aspect I might be missing after just kind of going through all that information is really thinking about the like Russian-Ukraine relations and how we're kind of at this point. Because obviously I can see and I know that there's a lot of people who don't think art's important, which I obviously strongly disagree with. But there's a lot of people who want to know what does that have to do with like reality, like ending this war, right? Also, people are going to ask, well, what is selling an NFT going to do? We can talk about, you know, the amount of money that they have gained from like art proceeds and the size of Russia to the Ukraine, right? So I was thinking that since um, 2014 Revolution of Dignity, which toppled Ukraine's elected president and his supporters in response to his refu refusal to sign a political association and free trade agreement with the EU that had majority support in Ukraine's parliament, relations between the two countries have been extremely tense. So instead of continuing to play the delicate like diplomatic game of balancing his own economic and security interests with those of Russia, the EU, NATO members, Ukraine's post-revolutionary administration wanted to commit the country to a future within both the EU and NATO. So the Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Slovakia became EU members in 2004, with Bulgaria and Romania joining in 2007. So you can also see a list of like European Union countries um, if you just Google them simply. So obviously with all those countries joining the EU, uh, the Russian leadership was concerned that Ukraine's admission to the EU and NATO would complete a Western wall of allies by preventing Russia's access to the Black Sea. So the Russian leadership was afraid that with uh, like South Korea and Japan aligned with the US, Russia was becoming a ring fenced. Um, or becoming ring fenced by potential like hostile state states in a like post Cold War alignment, and we can see like the formation um, 
of the Dongs People's Republic and the Luke's People Republic. Those words are definitely, I am going to have to like make like a, what are those on TikTok where it has this like the like CC, this is what she's saying. I need one of those right now. But um, in the areas of Eastern Ukraine with an ethnic Russian majority uh, coincided with Russia's invasion of the Crimean. Um, so more than 13,000 people have died, right, in the continuing Russia-Ukrainian war, uh, which has obviously resulted in a lot of Western sanctions against Russia. So the Ukrainian constitution was amended in 2019, um, and this is sh shrinking the country's geopolitical course towards EU and NATO membership as irreversible. So now present current time, uh, Russian military buildup on Ukraine's border um, from last year to this year, heightened tensions between the two countries and pretty much damaged uh, bilateral relations. So with the U.S. delivering a clear message that an invasion would be met with devastating economic consequences for Russia, we are currently now currently up to date now on what I'm talking about. Now, I did mention a lot of pretty much the art that's surfacing, or at least the art that's being concentrated on, is art that is pro-Ukraine. So, especially with we're seeing also Russian artists supporting um, Ukraine's effort to, you know, support their own country, you know, the question is, like, what do they think of each other? And that's a lot of, we see that in the media, everything's pretty, like, happy and whatnot, or we see, like, you know, fake media pictures. But I found an interesting study, um, and pretty much according to the study, it was released November 5th, 2009, over 67% of Ukrainians believe that their relationship with Russia should be one of friendliness, friendliness between two separate states, right? So wait, wait for it. Well, not really wait, but like there's more, right? According to a 2012 study conducted by the Kiev International Institute of Sociology, also known as KIIS, 72% of Ukrainians support Ukraine and Russia as independent, but friendly states with open borders and free of visas and customs, unification, unification of advocates in Ukraine, this increased by two to 14%, right? Okay, so according to another study in December, 2014, 85% of um, Ukrainians, 81% in Eastern regions, okay, evaluated relations with Ukraine as hostile, 56% or 10 to 29%. And um, this is actually a study that was found in uh, a German newspaper. So then if we go a little bit further, 5% of Ukrainians, 12% in the South and East approve of Russian leadership in Ukraine. But in September to October 2014 poll down, this was down pretty much uh, from 43% a year earlier. So 57% in the South and the East. Then if we look at a September 2014 study conducted um, for civilians and citizens in a predominantly um, Russian, like pretty much Russian speaking cities of Odessa, they found that 87% wanted their region to remain in the Ukraine, while 3% wanted to join Russia, and 8% were uncertain, and 2% picked other. So, according to um, another KIIS poll in December 2019, 88.3% of Ukrainians opposed joining Russia. Right. So a poll conducted in 2011 showed that 49% of Ukrainians have relatives living in Russia. And the poll was conducted by an independent Russian research center that showed 77% of Ukrainians and 82% of Russians think positively of each other as people. Right. So in the month of February, in February 2019, 
77% of Ukrainians thought positively of Russians. 57 of those Ukrainians thought positively, while only 13% of Ukrainians thought positively of the Russian government. So when we're talking about um, how art really impacts the opinion of the people and what's really doing and, oh, it's just art. And like, you know, people are saying, I, I think there's a lot of memes that you'll see on the internet right now where it's, you know, about like supporting Ukraine. It's like, we support you, but from a distance. We're, we're like, we're not going to help you, but we're here from a distance. We have emotional support. And it's teetering around the idea that everything has to be physical, but I think what you need to understand if you're thinking about how this is impacting the art world is that the art world is based on very intimate relationships with one another. And I mean, just even from me saying the statistics or any people, anyone who you know who identifies as Russian or Ukrainian know that a lot of times within politics and when borders change, that you still have that close connection with people. And this is showing us that these artists, these Russian artists, these Ukrainian artists are showing that they're still banded together because they, you know, even just based on the studies I just said, consider each other family in some capacity, not in the literal sense, but just in that neighborly sense, right? It's like when you see someone, I'm from New York. When I see someone or I meet someone who says they're from New York, love them. 100%, maybe like 80%, but you know what I mean? So taking this account, I think it's great just, you know, after this podcast or whatever you might do, like look up some art and like look up some Russian art, go to the museum, every um, kind of like cultural institution. If you're in Chicago, the Art Institute has some great uh, ancient pieces, but yeah, I mean, see how you can contribute. And I think the really important part of this is that we're seeing that people in all facets of the world are trying to figure out how they can help. And they're helping in their own capacity. It's not something where I need to go enlist myself into like the Ukrainian army or something. It's, you know, I'm an artist and I have a voice and I want to make notion of this. And like, I'm someone who I'm a writer and I want to make sure people are aware of what's going on and how they can like learn a little bit more. Anyway, Thanks for listening to this podcast today and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye. And before you go, make sure you check out my website, kyramarera.info for more information and seeing my latest editorials. Check out my YouTube channel, Confessions of a Gallerina, and check out my Instagram, Confessions of a Gallerina, to see my daily art adventures. Hey.